Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we have an amazing show lined up for you guys today. UFC 239 is finally upon us. It's the fight card we've all been waiting for. Absolutely stacked main card. We'll be breaking that down later on the show for you. Plus, we'll be talking to two of the fighters on the fight card. One of the guys who I think is one of the best up-and-comers in the world, Ishmael Nardiev, is going to be talking to us about his camp change and also his very first MMA fight of his career. And then we got Funky Ben Askren on the show. That's right, Funky Ben Askren stops by to talk about doing his press tour all by himself and a whole bunch more. And of course, we've got our regular news segment that we talk about the news of the day and so, so much more. But before we get to any of that content, I got to let you know that this show is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. Go to ADKFightwear.com, use promo code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase, and when you do, you're going to get 20% off some real high quality BJJ and MMA gear. That's right, you can get really, really high quality gear at 20% off, and it's not expensive to start. For instance, you can go there and you can get a rash guard for just 20 bucks. That's right, you can get their short sleeve arm bars and stripes rash guard for just 20 bucks when you use our promo code and you're never going to find out that you know if you've been shopping for BJJ gear before you're never going to find a high quality rash guard for just 20 bucks and certainly not one that stands up against the test of time and looks as sharp as ADK fightwear stuff and if maybe you're not in the market for a rash guard right now maybe you need some shorts spats sweatshirts geese whatever it is you need ADK fightwear's got it so make sure you check it out adkfightwear.com ADK fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumpy Reeling with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Funky Ben Askren, who fights Jorge Masvidal this weekend at UFC 239. Ben, let's start by talking about Jorge Masvidal, who has no-showed several media events. What's it been like for you doing a media day with virtually no opponent to verbally spar with? Well, uh, it's been fine. I've been made, I've made the most of both of my uh, attempts at these events. Uh, it seems like it's generated a lot of interest. Obviously, there's a lot of interest in me, and I don't know why he won't do his job and show up. And do you feel like this proves that you're in Jorge Masvidal's head? Yes, uh, I definitely think I'm in his head. I think it's obvious in pretty much everything he says and does these days. So I got to ask you, too, how, how have these events sort of changed your relationship with Dana White? You, you two seem pretty chummy now, no? Well, we haven't really talked outside of the press conferences. That being said, uh, I think he likes the fact that I show up to work on a regular basis. I'm not afraid to promote myself, and obviously it seems to be that I'm pretty popular right now. So the UFC recently announced that their main event in Newark is is Colby Covington and Robbie Lawler. Now, you said that you could jump Colby Covington with a win and get the title shot. Is this further proof of exactly that? Yes. Uh, I did not know they were going to announce this fight. I was just getting a feeling as though uh, people were forgetting about uh, Robbie Colby and that I was going to jump him in line. I think this is obvious now. And now I think I have a dominant win over George Masvidal next week. And uh, I cut a promo on Marty and they say, hey, you're up. And do you think that Kamara Usman or his management maybe had anything to do with, with this? And, and if so, why? I'm not sure. It's possible. Either way, I win. I don't care. 
Now, as a, as a grappling fan, too, I want to switch gears just a little bit here. Last year, you did a seminar with, with John Donaher. What was that experience like for you? And did you take anything major away from it as far as style and stuff like that? Um, I don't think I took away anything major from it. It was a great experience. I think he has a very similar thought process to jujitsu as I do to wrestling. Um, and, and he said a lot of very fascinating, interesting things. So it, it was a great experience. Loved it. Would definitely do it again. Now we're running a little bit low on time here, Ben. Uh, I got to ask you, do you have a prediction for next weekend? Yes, I'm going to win by submission, likely. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Funky Ben Askren fighting Jorge Masvidal this weekend at UFC 239. Ben, I'm going to thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Ismail Nardiev, who fights Chase Re- uh, Chance Recounter this weekend at UFC 239. So, Ismail, I, I know you've been doing some training in Florida a bit for this fight. Where, where have you been training? Hello, Danny. Thank you for the interview. Um, yeah, I'm in uh, I'm in Florida for three months, and I I prepare my uh, I prepare in Hard Knocks 365 by Henry Hoof. Awesome, cool. And, and sort of how did that come about? How did you decide to make that change? Uh, yeah, I have been here last year as well in, in Florida, uh, but I, I was in an American top team. And I'm a guy, I always try to make myself experience in different gyms just to make to make sure which, which one is best for me. And uh, yeah, my cousin told me about uh hard knocks 365 there's a good gym and they have good fighters and so i decided to to try it out and it's really really good and i like it here and i think it's gonna be my my future my future team as well awesome that's really good to hear now obviously you know hooft is, is known for his is sort of kickboxing help right and you've got a kickboxing background uh has he helped you mostly with that or or is it more about rounding your game out here yeah, actually, actually, I, I'm coming from wrestling, but <laughs> everyone thinks I'm kickboxer because of my striking. Uh, and yeah, of course, Henry Wolf gives me always a lot of attention. He helps me. He's looking at me. Uh, he works a lot with me. And yeah, we definitely work for, uh, together. And um, yeah. So, so I, had a, I, I, do, I, I do have a misconception there. Yeah, I, I also thought you were a kickboxer to start. I mean, like, obviously, you've got the flashy kickboxing. you got all that stuff, too. Sort of how did you fall in love with the striking so much then? Because, like I said, you, you do carry a very striking-heavy style. you got the nickname that sounds like a striker. Uh, you know, like, how, how did you wind up, you know, becoming such a strong striker? Yeah, this is a question I get every, uh, every time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I think four years ago, I'm not sure. I think four years ago, my, my teammate, Ayub Kazias, he came, he came to Salzburg where I live and he's a uh, second place in European championship in kickboxing and he's a really, really good striker. So I, I, I started to, to, to train with him. He was like, like a coach for me in, in, in striking. And yeah, I I helped him with wrestling. He helped me with uh, with kickboxing, and I was I was really focused on kickboxing. I think two three years I did only kickboxing, 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 and then I became became so good in striking. 
And, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're talking about huge chunks of time here, too, right? Like you said, four years ago, you started training with him. You've been doing this for three years. You're only 22 years old. Now, I, I know I saw on your Twitter recently where you showed a, a picture of a fight with your hand being raised in 2012. Now, by my count, that, that means you were 15 or 16 years old. How did you get started fighting that early? Uh, yeah, the, um, I think because I didn't have a really trainer, so I don't, I didn't have good, uh, good experienced uh, sparring partner. So nobody knows about the sport really good in, in, in my city, in my country. And I was just 16, 16 years old and it was, it was a Saturday. I was just hanging out with my friends. And the old coach, he called me and he's like, hey, Ismail, what are you doing? I'm like, no, nothing. I'm, in, I'm, I'm outside. And he's like, hey, you want to fight today? I'm like, what? Today? Yeah, of course. And, and yeah, then, then I went home. I, I, I got my, my stuff and uh, went uh, directly to the, to the, to the, how to say, arena or how to say, I don't know. And yeah, and I, I just fight. Mm, and yeah, they didn't ask how how old I am and nothing. I think I think they just needed a a reserve because his his opponent was injured. Maybe they thought, okay, we we just call a kid to knock him out and and uh, and I showed the opposite. That is amazing. So I, I'm really impressed. And I gotta ask a follow up question. So you're just hanging out with friends. What are you and your friends doing at that time? Are are, are you you know? hundred things that kids could be doing at 15 that could make them tired and definitely not ready for a cage fight. What, what exactly were you guys up to? <laughs> Street fights. <laughs> well, I guess if there's going to be a thing that prepares you for your cage fight, uh, it would be a street fight. Now, I'd want to talk a little bit about your last fight because, you you know, you just mentioned stepping up in a big way for your, your team at the time. You were only 15. You stepped up for a big way last time, right? Like, Michelle Prezeris is on a eight-fight win streak. The last time he had lost was to Kevin Lee, who was a, a title challenger. But but here we are in this fight. You're fighting Chase Rencounter, who's one and one in the UFC. Do you feel like this was sort of a step back? Uh, yeah, to be honest, I... I uh, expected a uh, expected a bigger name because after this fight, everyone told me, "Hey, they're gonna give you 100%. They're gonna give you a top 15 or or just a big name." But yeah, but it doesn't matter, you know. I'm I'm in the beginning, like you said. Uh, I'm just 22. I have time, so I just take every fight they give me now because. I don't really care. I'm not in a ranking right now, so it doesn't matter. I'm gonna gonna beat everyone they give me, and then and yeah, going to the top. Well, and that's certainly a good mentality to have. Now, I also got to ask you too before I let you go. You're fighting on one of the biggest cards of the year. UFC 239 is generally considered to be an enormous fight card. Uh, how excited are you to fight with that many eyes on you in Vegas? Yeah, I'm really, really excited. I mean, you know, it was always my dream. Since I was a kid, I always watched the fights. And now I'm fighting with John Jones and Luke Rockhold on the same fight card with Joachim Masvidal and everyone. Just big stars, actually. And, man, I'm so excited. It's so... It's, it's like a dream. It's like a dream. It's really... 
really good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited for that. And we're certainly really really, looking for We're certainly really excited for it too. Now, I want to ask you real quickly before I let you go, do you have a prediction for this fight? How does uh, Ismail Nardiev get it done this weekend? First or second round TKO. <laughs> All right, there you have it. Second round TKO for Ismail Nardiev. He fights chance recounter this weekend at UFC 239. Ismail, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much as well. And those interviews with Ismail Nardiev and Funky Ben Askren were brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only app out there to track your BJJ progress. Wait, what's that? Not just your BJJ progress. That's right. There's been a huge update to the Maroon Social app, which if you're already a user, you've probably noticed. But there is a huge update to it. No longer is it just there for BJJ enthusiasts. It is there for all martial arts enthusiasts. Whether you do kickboxing, boxing, jujitsu, judo, no matter what martial art you're into, you can now track your progress using the Maroon Social app. Now, let me tell you how this works for all of you, not not just the BJJ enthusiasts anymore, all of you, is that you can set up your account with your belt levels, multiple levels, maybe you got multiple levels now, you can set up your lineage, your name, your trainer, all kinds of things like that. Once you've done that, you can start logging your training sessions. Maybe you're doing jujitsu in the morning and boxing in the afternoon. You're doing that. That's cool. There's places to log it all. Okay. And then you can list notes. You can tag friends to let them know that that you're training and they're not. And the app constantly gives you updates on things like how much you're training week to week or month to month, letting you know if you're making the progress that you want in the areas that you want. It is absolutely essential for all martial arts enthusiasts to download the Maroon Social app. Now, we're going to head back to the show. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. As I said before, joined always by Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I'm going to start. We're going to start with Ishmael Nardiev here. What do you think about the story of his first career fight? That's a crazy first fight story, and I can't wait to see it uh, in movie form. I feel like it'd make a great scene in a movie. Yeah, I, I feel like it would make a great scene in the movie, too. I also really appreciated when I asked him what him and his friends were doing hanging out. He said very calmly, like, street fighting. Like, that was, like, the most normal thing a bunch of 15- and 16-year-olds could be doing. Right, right. Just, you know, hanging out, street fighting. No big deal. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you what is a big deal, and that's Ben Askren. 1-0 in the UFC, albeit somewhat controversial, you spoke with him. He thinks he's next for the title shot. Is that crazy? I don't think so. I mean, like, we talked about it a little bit last week when they booked Colby Covington versus Robbie Lawler. I said almost exactly the same thing that, that Askren is saying. By the that booking, I feel like it's obvious what the UFC's intentions are now, right? How long is Kamara Usman going to be out? If Askren wins this fight... There's a whole month before Colby fights where he could be booked with Kamara Usman. And granted, he probably isn't going to fight Kamara Usman until September. But, like, I feel like they're just going to book that fight September or October before Colby even fights. Yeah. No, I, I think he's right in the mix there just based on, you know, the the buzz he creates around himself and his fights. Uh, I, I don't think it's that crazy to think that, you know, he's right there. Uh, you know what, Gumby? It's our favorite segment time. Fastest fight news. It's time to get to it. It's our favorite segment on the show. 
eh, maybe tied for our favorite segment on the show. And there's a lot of news to cover, so let's get to it. Francis Ngannou, Joseph Benavidez both went out there this past weekend and had very nice performances, dominating, some might say. But Dana White's saying that he's not so sure they're next in line for the respective title, whereas, uh, you know, I, I think common logic or the natural evolution of things would say they're both in line for a title in their respective divisions. What says you? I'd say that too, but I, I think he's starting to run into a situation where he realizes he's like backtracked all of the title shots he's given away at he, some he, point. In time. He, he being Dana, he being Dana White, yeah, of course. He, he being Dana White. Yeah. Dana White has sort of realized that he's backtracked on so many title fights that it's began, begun to be almost like the joke of MMA. Like, yeah, he promised a title shot, but like, does he actually mean it? And, and I think he even knows that it's bad business to continue to promise title shots that are not going to be given. There's so many things that could happen. Like the flyweight division could dissolve. You know, Henry Cejudo could decide that he wants to fight uh, Aljamain Sterling at bantamweight when he returns from his shoulder surgery. He could have complications in his shoulder surgeries that, you know, force him back later and later and later. Like, and then with Naganu, you know, like if Stipe were to go beat Cormier, you don't think Cormier gets the trilogy fight? So I think Dana is actually probably doing the smart thing here, being non-committal, because it's probably better publicity than continuously giving title shots and walking him back. I have to tell you, uh, on this take that you just gave, on what you are saying, on your opinion. I could not agree more. I'm actually proud of Dana White. I, I'm sick of it, man. You know, I think we go through this whole, like, MMA media circus with title shots that fell through or things Dana White said. He's actually doing the right thing here. And I'll tell you something else. We've talked on this show, now going on our third year, uh, it, that the UFC's depth is getting better and better in every division. Well, maybe not flyweight, but every other division – the depth is only getting better. More and more people have claims to the title. You know, if you make it into the top three, you probably have a pretty good claim to the title. So there's no need to promise something, have people get their hopes up, and then an injury derails it or an USADA popping derails it. He's doing the right thing. Uh, he also, he being Dana White, was very honest in saying he felt like he might have pushed Darren Till too soon, too fast to the top of that 170-pound division. What do you make of that moment of reflection from Dana White saying he might have pushed Till too fast? It's actually interesting to me, too, because like when you think about what Darren Till did to get there, you're right. He probably didn't go out and beat the people you would have wanted him to beat for a title shot, right? Like he beat Was Cowboy Cerrone his last win before getting a shot at the strap? I'd have to look so. that back up, but it was it was something like that. If he went out there, though, and he beat Tyron Woodley in that fight, Dana basically had another Conor McGregor at his hands, right? He had a guy who represented England, okay, maybe not Ireland, but England, and he did so in a brash, young, exciting way in the process. Like, I think maybe did he go up too fast for his own good? Yeah, but did Dana White push him too far? I can't believe I'm coming to Dana White's defense twice. But no, I don't think Dana White pushed him too fast because I, I think he did what was right for the promotion. Um, so some news here coming in on uh, pay-per-view buy rates and bare-knuckle fighting uh, with Polly Malinaji and the GOAT Artem Lobov <laughs> trending towards 200,000 pay-per-view buys 
a success by any measure. What do you think? I'm not terribly surprised in this uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think the people at that company did an excellent job with their media rounds. Uh, they they found a way to, to get their, their message out there, to get out that this fight was happening. And in addition to that, I also think what you have here is you have not only the boxing world, not only the people who enjoy bare-knuckle boxing, but you also have the MMA world that was intrigued by this, right? Because not only was there Artem Loboff on that card, there was also Chris Lieben on that card. And I'm and if I'm not mistaken, Johnny Bedford, who's obviously not you know influencing the buy rate all that much, but there's a lot of MMA name value on that card. So it's the name value of MMA, the name value of boxing, the spectacle that is bare-knuckle boxing, and, you know, with all of the stuff with Paulie Malignaggi and, and Conor McGregor, and now he's fighting Conor McGregor's, you know, best mate, I, I think it, it it is not terribly surprising, but definitely impressive. Yeah, I, I just couldn't be more impressed. You know, uh, in the professional wrestling world right now, once the pay-per-view king, uh, a new promotion, AEW, which is uh, many people thinking is going to be stiff competition for WWE. They just had their second ever pay-per-view. It did a hundred thousand buys. Yeah. So bare knuckle uh, boxing is doing more than twice as much as that. That's crazy. And not only that Gumby, but AEW just signed a television deal with TNT, uh, TNT sports to be exact. Uh, they're going to have a two hour cable show every week. I believe on Wednesday night, starting this fall, this was based off of the buzz that this wrestling promotion has gotten. And all they did was 100,000 buys, just about a Mighty Mouse pay-per-view. Bare Knuckle Boxing goes out and doubles that. You have to figure there's some TV executives taking notice of that. And I almost wonder if Bare Knuckle Boxing might be in line for some sort of TV deal, too. They're obviously sitting on a winning idea. Yeah, that, um, that sounds like it, it's got Fox written all over it. it does feel very foxish uh all right that wraps up the fastest fight news hopefully we delivered the news to you in a tidy and speedy manner in under 15 minutes or less uh so the podcast is free let's move on to our other favorite segment on the show it's combat countdown and i'm very excited about this list gumby it's the top five fights left in 2019 we did it in 2018 to much fanfare the fans enjoyed it we brought it back because there is a Slew, just a slew of good fights left on the table, and we're breaking it down and counting down what the top five are. But before we get to it, I wonder, does any company bring the fans this combat countdown? Absolutely. As always, the combat countdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Head to SISUGuard.com for the only mouthguard where you can talk, breathe, and drink all with that mouth guard up in your mouth. It is truly a feat of science. The tiny perforations make it so that you can leave that mouth guard in. You don't have to get your dirty, sweaty hands all over it, or you don't have to worry about dropping it on the jujitsu mats and getting all kinds of funguses on it. Instead, you can leave it on up in there, take a quick sip, talk to your training partner, and get right back to rolling. Make sure you head to SISUGuard.com, use promo code TOPTURTLE15, and get 15% off the mouth guard that is right for you. All right. Uh, we had to whittle it down. The top five fights uh, we're looking forward to left in 2019. Uh, so we actually have a couple of honorable mentions. Let's start there before we get to the nitty gritty top five. What are our honorable mentions, Gumby? 
Okay, so first we should preface this by saying that we did not count UFC 239 in this, because we could probably have just made the list all fights from this weekend, because there are some absolute bangers going on. So, uh, for honorable mentions, uh, I started with UFC, actually both of these are from UFC 241, which is going to take place in Anaheim. Uh, one of the main card fights, Yoel Romero versus Paulo Costa. I just love the big, meaty muscle heads going to absolutely go in there and throw bombs. I kind of hope Yoel Romero doesn't take him down so we can just see a crazy boxing match between these two because I think it would be really freaking fun. Uh, and then the other one, too, just from a, an up-and-comer standpoint, I'm really excited on that card for Sadiq Youssef versus Gabriel Mowgli Benitez. Benitez, if you remember correctly, had a hell of a start to his career where people were touting him as kind of a big up-and-comer in that featherweight division. Sadiq Youssef is now sort of taken that place of the big up-and-comer in the featherweight division. I honestly think he's won maybe two fights away from being a top 15 featherweight, um, and he's super exciting to watch. So those are my two honorable mentions for the top five fights left in 2019. Yeah, I definitely am hyped on Sadiq Youssef. 145 is just a division that, I, I mean, it's shock full of killers and exciting fighters, up-and-coming exciting fighters. You know, when we were looking at this list, I was disappointed. There are certain fighters that I just can't wait to watch fight. There are rumors of Brian Ortega taking on Zabit. Those are two of my favorite fighters, but it's not booked yet, so they didn't make the cut. Uh, anything Yair Rodriguez, anything Gregor Gillespie, anything Tatiana Suarez, uh, ditto for Johnny Walker at this point, but none of those guys or gals have fights booked. So I think when I look out at the landscape of who's like an up and coming sort of electric, exciting fighter, I think about Sadiq Youssef. So I love that he made the honorable mention. Let's get now to the top five. And we're going to start with UFC 240 in Edmonton. Number five, kicking off the combat countdown for real. Joff Neal and Nico Price. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Sadiq Yusuf being that like fun up and comer. Jeff Neal is kind of taking that role too, except for in the welterweight division. Jeff Neal, I think people forget this because it happened a couple of months ago. Jeff Neal was a ranked welterweight recently. Then you get Anthony Pettis added to the division, you get Ben Askren added to the division. And Jeff Neal just slides out of it because you got to have room for those guys. He was, you know, 14 or 15, and now he's probably 16 or 17. But he's right there nipping at the cusp. And he is for a really good reason, right? Is that, you know, hands of steel. Jeff Neal is got hands of steel. He's absolutely going out there, putting beatings on people. I mean, he knocked out Frank Camacho, which nobody's knocking out Frank Camacho. Uh, and in, in addition to that, here he is fighting Nico Price, who is also super exciting. He's got dynamite in his hand. The dude knocked out Randy Brown from his back. That's right. He's laying on his back. He threw hammer fists and knocked out Randy Brown. So now you're going to get to see these two dudes with absolute dynamite throwing down. And I just think even though it might wind up on the prelims of the, this fight card, it's one I can't wait for. Well, here's one I really can't wait to see. Uh, we're going to see the Eagle face Dustin Poirier in Abu Dhabi at UFC 242. Poirier coming off the legendary fight with Max Holloway. Really a banger of a fight and a dominant performance for Poirier. I think he won handily. Khabib, he's a billion and oh, he's never been beaten. <laughs> is, is Dustin Poirier the person to beat him? 
and what has us excited about this fight? You know, I actually think Dustin Poirier is probably not the person to beat him, and that's probably all that's stopping this from being, you know, number two or number one on the list, is that, you know, I almost feel like I can probably predict where this is going. You know, it's going to be a typical Habib performance. But that being said, Dustin Poirier has got a pretty damn good submission game. And when you think about the people who Habib has taken down and put an absolute beating on, there's probably not one that's as good as as Dustin Poirier on the ground, you know? So I, I think that that brings an exciting element to it. The fact that Habib is fighting over in the Middle East in Abu Dhabi, that also gives it a little bit extra hype. You know, I, I think altogether, it's just an amazing fight. I'm glad that an interim champion is actually fighting a champion um, and unifying those titles. Although I guess we'll, we'll keep our... Uh, We'll, we'll try not to get too excited until they're actually stepping in the cage. Yeah, I mean, I think with Habib, when it comes to submissions, Barbosa, does Barbosa no, not match really. up? He got submitted by Tony Ferguson. I mean, like, yeah, if you he look, he really hasn't fought very many people who've got, like, a good sub background or a good defensive well, grappling background. Rafael Dos Anjos would be the one. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess our, I guess RDA, but but didn't wasn't the first time they fought? Didn't he have a little bit of trouble with them? No, he absolutely oh, no, ran. No, you're right. You're right. He did drag down. You're right. Okay. Um. So I'm not so. I, so for me, I take it from a different angle. So yes, Habib's gonna win. All common logic would tell you that. Uh, I don't so much think like the subs is where I I like Poirier's chances. I like his chances on the cardio. You saw that performance against Max Holloway. His striking is so crisp, better than Habib's. If he can defend enough takedowns, if he could drag it into the fourth and fifth round, I mean, heck, I like Poirier's boxing better than I like Ally Aquinta's, and I happen to like Ally Aquinta's. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. But, um, you know, I think that might be an area in the same way we think about how Tony Ferguson bends and never breaks – it's going to be hard hard to break Poirier standing. He might be able to take him down and submit him, but I would love to see Abu Dhabi four, round four, round five, Poirier still with a chance. That could be very interesting as Habib tires. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, we'll go to number three. It's the return of a Diaz brother. It's Anthony Pettis versus Nate Diaz, UFC 241 in Anaheim. Back to that Anaheim card. I I think the thing that makes this fight the most exciting is the fact that it's happening at 170. Uh, I'm interested in if that Anthony Pettis power is legit at 170, if that's something that's going to definitely keep happening. Um, I'm also interested to see Nate Diaz's sumo style back at 170. (laughs) Um, No, (laughs) but, but in all seriousness, like, this is a fun fight for many reasons. Both of the guys are phenomenal at jiu-jitsu, okay? And, and Pettis might be underrated at jiu-jitsu as well. But on top of that, they love to throw down. They both have fun striking, but very different striking, right? Flashy striking from Anthony Pettis. Just absolutely go to town and beat your face in from, from Nate Diaz. Patter with the, the Stockton slap. I want to see whether or not Pettis can get around the Stockton slap and what happens with it. Um, I just think it's such an exciting fight from so many perspectives, and the trash talk is going to be so good. Uh, agree on that. It's you know it's almost unfortunate. I think Diaz coming off the layoff kind of takes it away for me a little bit. You just never know with the Diaz what well, kind of performance we're going to get. 
I agree hundred percent. I, I think if he was, if this was coming like right off of another one of his fights, even a loss, like if if, yeah. if we knew he was like at it the whole time, I think this is probably number one on our list because it's that exciting of a fight. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly yeah what I'm trying to say. I, I think if this was booked three months after Connor Nate two in 2016, we'd be so hyped for it. Now I just don't know what to expect out of Nate, but it's still a great fight, and I think its its placement is right at number three for us. We'll move then to number two, and really at this point we're talking about two legendary fighters, one an absolute legend right now, the other the king of the division on his way to being a legendary name, if not already. And I, of course, am talking about Frankie Edgar versus Max Holloway at UFC 240. Yeah, I want to see how Max Holloway rebounds from that Dustin Poirier fight. Because you talked about how Poirier had the cardio to beat him. It's not like Frankie Edgar doesn't have the cardio, right? And, and I think that that's a fun element to this fight. I'm also interested to see what that does to Max Holloway's mentality, right? Because Max Holloway has been a powerful featherweight for his whole career, he kind of got manhandled up at lightweight. I, I want to know if, if that changed the way that he looks at the way he fights at featherweight. Because I, I think if he fights a little bit too tentatively, Frankie Edgar has got a way of stealing rounds with a lot of productivity. So I, I think that this fight could be really interesting. But the things that I find the most interesting about it are how Max Holloway responds from that loss. Yeah, I think for me, too, I I really feel like this is probably, and I've been as huge a Frankie Edgar fan as there's been since about 2008. I mean, we're going on over a decade now of Frankie Edgar, or I guess just about a decade. Uh, Is this his last chance? And the answer is yes, it probably is. You know, if he loses this, short of him doing something miraculous with a drop down to 135, but heck, even 135 has... You it's know, arguably more loaded. Very, what's that? The 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 bantamweight division is arguably more loaded and jam packed right now, right? Like it, it's a cluster at the top right. of that division. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. This could be his last chance to like get gold back, you know. And it's crazy to think that like you know this is his shot at being a two division champ to to be in that very 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 small window of people who have who have taken home championships in multiple divisions, albeit not at the same time for Frankie. But man, like you're right. This is his chance to get that done. Yeah. So extra bit of drama on that hot dog. We'll move then to number one. And this is such a no doubt about it. Could not be more excited. Short of Tony Ferguson and Habib being booked short of Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje being booked. This is a fight I just cannot wait to see, and I'm very, very happy with this placement at number one. It's Robert Whitaker against Israel Adesanya at UC 234 down under. Yeah, and I think, too, the idea that it is, you know, in Melbourne, Australia, I think that that's just the smartest thing you could possibly do. Two guys who would sell extremely well down there, and in addition to that, too, Everybody keeps having this question, is Idesanya for real? You know, like, can he actually beat somebody as good as Robert Whitaker? What's Robert Whitaker like, you know, coming off the layoff he's coming off? You know, like there there are so many questions that we could possibly ask here. Idesanya is a guy who who went out and raised his stock with the Calvin Gastelum win. You know, I, I think that there's so many different things that could happen in this fight. You know, like are, are we going to see Whitaker try to wrestle, you know, is that even good enough against Ida Sanya? Because Calvin Gastelum couldn't wrestle him. You know, like, 
does he move forward the whole time and, and put Idesanya in bad places, or does he willing to fight from distance where we can assume he's probably going to get tagged? You know, like, this is a fight where I literally can't give you, like, it's either this situation or that. It's one of 30 situations, and I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Again, you know, maybe the one takeoff is just, or takeaway from it, is that it is Robert Whitaker coming off a pretty long layoff injuries. So I don't necessarily know what to think of that. I know what to think of Ida Sonia coming off that incredible performance over Calvin Gastelum. He's my pick to win it. But, you know, if we get vintage Bobby Knox, uh, this could be another classic, like down to the wire, just epic fight. And I can't wait to see it. That's our top five list. We're sticking to it. We thank the fans for their participation and their feedback. Uh, we'll, of course, keep doing these combat countdowns and throwing out uh, ideas, questions to our fans on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. Give us a follow if you're not already. Keep an eye out on that. Uh, and, of course, we're accepting both love and hate feedback on this list, so let us know what you thought, at Top Turtle MMA. Gumby, let's move now to our other favorite segment on the program, or at least tied for our favorite segment, our UFC breakdown. In this case, it's the UFC 239 breakdown. And I'm wondering, is it brought to the fans by any fine company? And this UFC 239 breakdown is brought to you by Sheath Underwear. Go to sheathunderwear.com and use promo code FLOW for 20% off all your underwear purchases. And let me tell you something, Sheath is changing the underwear game because no longer do you have to worry about stuff flopping around in your boxers while you're trying to do physical activity or your briefs being way too restrictive while you're trying to get things done. Instead, Sheath combines the two, and it's not in a boxer briefy kind of way. It combines the two into an innovative new kind of underwear with an innovative front pocket that promotes airflow without crushing your cash and prizes. You're going to want to check them out if you do any kind of physical activity at sheathunderwear.com. Now, for our UFC 239 breakdown, I'm going to start with the main event. I'm taking John Jones at it, like a negative 500 favorite over the plus two, 425 underdog Tiago Santos. Look, if you've been watching John Jones fights before, you, you don't need me to explain this to you. He's faster. He's got more weapons. I don't think Tiago Santos can land that big sledgehammer, so I'm going with John Jones. In the co-main event, I'm taking the champ, Amanda Nunes, who's right now betting off at about 325, negative 325, to Holly Holm, who's betting off at like plus 275. Look, I, I like Nunes here for a whole bunch of reasons. One, and, and this is really the biggest one, is that she brings the pressure. You know, Holly Holm has a tendency to sort of back away and to sort of pick her shots and, and not really stay active enough. And, and if you think that this fight is going to decision, which, which I kind of do, I don't think either of these two finishes each other. I'm thinking Amanda Nunes is a pretty smart pick just based on output. And then in the third fight that we're going to talk about here, I'm taking Funky Ben Askren, friend of the show, Funky Ben Askren, who's betting off at about negative 250 right now to Jorge Masvidal at plus 210. And the reason is pretty simple. Jorge Masvidal has had trouble with grapplers in the past. Ask Demi and Maya what happens when Jorge Masvidal steps in there. I think Ben Askren can take him down. I think he can probably finish him, which I, I think we're sleeping a little bit on Ben Askren's finishing ability. Um, so, as a quick recap, I'm taking John Jones over Tiago Santos, Amanda Nunes over Holly Holm, and Funky Ben Askren over Jorge Masvidal. And that's going to do it for this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, 
for tuning in. We would not have a show without you guys. We would also not have a show without our sponsors, ADK Fightwear, Sisu Mouthguards, Sheath Underwear, and Maroon Social. Download the Maroon Social app no matter what martial art you're into. We also want to thank the people over at Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. This show would not be possible without them either. And we want to remind you guys to check out our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. We've got a cool contest going on right now where we're going to give away some autograph stuff, so check that out. I am Daniel Gumby Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you next week. <laughs>